Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are halfway through the football season, and basketball is back into full swing. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus today. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live, because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is November 9th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in anyways. Download, leave a five-star review. Doesn't have to be a nice review, just has to be a five-star review. We are on our march to our next 100,000 followers, and you guys are 100,000 downloads, but you guys have been amazing uh, in the download counts. We are on track for our biggest month maybe ever in the history of the podcast. Right now, it's second largest, but we're on the track for that, so thank you so much for your support. Uh, I would like to begin today's podcast by congratulating the Pittsburgh Steelers for once again not allowing 30 points in a game. They have not done so all year, while also not scoring 30 points in a game this season. They also have not done that. So uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers doing just enough to get by. They are 5-3 and three. somehow. I was kind of surprised by that, but kind of forgot the bye week got mixed in there. So Five and three Pittsburgh Steelers. Do I think they're actually good? No, I do not. They will fight it out for the seventh playoff spot, though. So good on Pittsburgh. They'll hang out here as uh, they surpass the Bengals again in that uh, AFC wildcard picture. Remember when everyone was saying how great the Bengals were and trying to play those one-game samples? Yeah, the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are now worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers got throttled by the Bengals. So imagine if they had won that game. We begin today's podcast with the Chicago Bears, though, because this is over. The 2021 Chicago Bears are officially over in my book, and if you may remember going all the way back to, I believe it was week six here on the Take It Easy podcast, when we declared for the first time this season that a season was over and it was time to fire a coach. And we said that back on October 18th about the New York Giants, that at this point the season was officially over, you are not playing for anything anymore, you can go ahead and fire your coach and fire your general manager and fumigate the place because that franchise needs a good-ass fumigating. Well, now we can declare our second lost season at this point. 
and it is the Chicago Bears. And so this is an official declaration here. There is no going back after this. You have to have hit a true and total rock bottom. We didn't even do it with Urban Meyer when his uh, magical scandal of him grinding on a younger woman at his own restaurant and then getting snitched on at his own restaurant and then lying about it and then getting clowned by his team. All of that did not say the season was over for Urban Meyer, but this officially declares the season over for the Chicago Bears. You can go ahead and fire Matt Nagy. You have a built-in bye week at this point, so you can go ahead and do that. If you want to fire Ryan Pace, you can. I don't know whether you're still going to let him ride the one good trade he made for Khalil Mack, but other than that, hasn't really done very much as Bears general manager. Uh, they did. If you're going to let him keep riding that one season of greatness instead of looking at the next three seasons, which I believe now for the Chicago Bears, and last year they were 8-8, eight and eight, but I call them a 5-11 and 11 team that was 8-8 eight and eight because they had a 16-point comeback in five minutes against the Falcons, and DeAndre Swift dropped that game-winning touchdown pass, and Tom Brady forgot the time on the clock. So they were really a 5-11 and 11 team in 8-8 eight and eight clothing, and then they got throttled in the playoffs by the Saints because they were a 5-11 and 11 team playing a 12-4 and four Saints team, and they just had no chance in that awful playoff game on Nickelodeon last year. All of that to say, the Chicago Bears, if you count that year as 5-11, you went 8-8 eight and eight before that, and now you are 3-5 and five this year. That is a 16 and... What would that be? 16 and 24 record post double doink. So uh, you've also lost your quarterback. You do not have a first round pick next year. And uh, it's time to fumigate the place, ladies and gentlemen. I know we did a like rebuilding the Chicago Bears episode a couple weeks ago. I kind of like wish to no longer have that exist in my archives because I got to be honest. When we did that, we were scrambling for an episode. I can admit this now on the back end as a tell you guys a little bit of how the sausage is made we were just scrambling for an episode and threw together a rebuilding the Chicago Bears one where I said if you can get a first round pick for Justin Fields would you or would you not take that offer I think you can still put that out here now but uh, I think it's pretty clear that we don't know anything about Justin Fields at this point as a quarterback so the Bears are going to ride it out and also the Chicago Bears even if they fired their general manager Ryan Pace probably wouldn't tear shit all the way to the ground because what does that buy you when you don't even have your own draft pick which they traded next year to the Giants to get Justin Fields in the first place so all of that to say the Chicago Bears are officially going and and we have rarely done this before we've only done this twice in the history of the podcast but the Chicago Bears are officially on embargo which means we will not seriously discuss the Chicago Bears for the next 10 months. This podcast right here on November 9th, 2021 will be the last time that we talk serious Chicago Bears football until two weeks before the season next year. The last time we did this was over the Dak Prescott contract. The other time we did it was at the very, very beginning of the podcast, where I said, this is how it's going to go with the Rams. They're going to extend Jared Goff. They're going to fall off. And all of that ended up happening anyways. The point being, the big one was the last time we had Dak Prescott's contract situation. It was uh, July 31st, 
2020. And we said in that moment, we will tell you exactly what's going to happen in the Dak Prescott contract situation, and we will not talk about it again. We said that they would not come to a contract extension. Dak Prescott would get franchise tagged again. He would play out the season on the franchise tag, and then he would either hit free agency or re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, did Dak Prescott sign with the Cowboys a year early? Yes, he did. So we only had to have the embargo last for eight months while everyone on every talk radio show during the very last days of the pandemic said, how much would you pay Dak Prescott? How much would you pay Dak Prescott? We, we declared it July 31st of that year, did not discuss it again until Dak Prescott signed his contract in March of 2021. So we put an eight month embargo on Dak Prescott contract talks. And we are going to put an embargo on serious Chicago Bears talk from this point going forward. Why? Because I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen with the Chicago Bears from this point going forward. Chicago Bears are going to try their best because they've got nothing to play for at this point. They're going to go either 6-11 and 11 or 7-10 and 10 or 5-12, and 12, somewhere in between there at this point. And the Chicago Bears are going to finish with a 10, 11, 12 pick in the draft, but they're not going to have their draft pick because it's going to go to the New York Giants. They're going to fire Matt Nagy, and they're going to hire a new coach. You can tell me who the coach is week one of the season, and I'll judge it in that moment because we don't know how to hire head coaches in the NFL. We don't actually know whether these hires are going to be good coaches or not. We're kind of just ballparking it a lot of the time. So even if we don't know who the new coach is going to be, you can tell me who it's going to be week one, and I'm totally fine with that. And the Chicago Bears are going to lose Allen Robinson in free agency, but they're not going to have any money to spend significantly in free agency. So they're going to bring in a player here and there, but some players are going to leave in free agency. They'll spend a a couple dollars here on some lower tier free agents just to maybe fill a hole or two here and there. We'll pretend like the deal actually matters because we're going to desperately need the content in March and April, but not here. We're not going to pretend that those moves matter because we'll talk about them, but not pretend like they're going to make any significant impact on the Chicago Bears on the field. They'll subtract their number one receiver. Maybe they'll use one of those picks in the back end of the draft to draft a receiver. Maybe Darnell Mooney takes on a larger role. Maybe they use the money to sign a lower tier free agent wide receiver, but They're not going to make any significant moves that are going to dramatically transform the team, and they're not going to start selling off pieces because now they have to try and build around Justin Fields and or Ryan Pace is still going to be employed. So they're going to hire a new coach. New coach is not going to have a draft pick. New coach is going to make just small little moves in free agency. We're going to get to draft season, but because they're not going to have their own first-round pick, we're just not going to talk about them because this is the thing we do is... We think that first-round picks are the only picks that matter because we spend so much time analyzing mock drafts and things like that, where we're last year with Seattle, we just iced Seattle totally out of the draft conversation because we're like, yep, they don't have a first-round pick. All right, we're good. Uh, I think we did the same thing with the Rams, too. We're like, yeah, they don't have a first-round pick. That's okay. Uh, we just don't need to talk about their draft room. Their team's fully formed. Chicago's not going to have a first-round pick, so we're not going to talk about them during draft season in any serious way when we're doing mock drafts. So uh, we'll get through that. Then we'll get to the doldrums of the offseason. Chicago's going to be almost the same team. Couple switches here and there, but the 
talk is going to be about does Justin Fields take the next leap does Justin Fields improve whatever it might be and we don't need to talk about that because no one knows how good Justin Fields is at this point and it's going to be off-season talk because we don't actually know whether Justin Fields is going to get better or not until he actually plays games because we need an actual game sample size to figure it out so because their draft is not going to matter because their free agency is not going to matter and because they're not going to make any significant changes around the roster other than bringing in a new head coach and because I just don't want to talk about this boring ass football team the rest of this season we're halfway through the season officially the the end of the Steelers Bears game was officially the halfway point of the 2021 season because I don't want to talk about this boring team the rest of the season not boring in terms of bad than mediocre like boring in terms of it's not visually appealing to watch the Chicago Bears play football because the defense is not as good as it used to be it's still above average but it's not as good as it used to be and the offense is absolutely putrid 31st in the league in scoring only team behind them is the Houston Texans, who we spent our Memes of the Weekend podcast last week laughing at because they only scored eight points in three full football games. That is the only team worse than the Chicago Bears this year on offense. The Bears' only hope of moving the ball is with the run game, but their offensive line is depleted as well because Tevin Jenkins has been out for season. White hair's gone in and out throughout the season, so they just don't have a strong offensive line. David Montgomery was carrying their ass to the playoffs last year, and David Montgomery's now been out for most of the season. So at this point, the Chicago Bears are just really, really bad and boring to watch. Not only do they not do ex- do they not score, they don't throw the ball. Justin Fields had seven pass attempts in the first half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, this team is boring to watch, and it's fun to make fun of the Chicago Bears. They're the team that we have the biggest beef with, and I tell you, the reason I start beefs with fan bases is because the ones who have irrational expectations but are actually perpetually mediocre, those are the best ones to make fun of because you're going to win. You're going to win almost all the time. You're going to win the beef. Start beefs you know you can win because it's going to make the content that more in, that much more enjoyable. And guess what? I've been damn right for four straight bleeping years about the Chicago Bears. That team is perpetually mediocre. They are poorly run. They have decided that because being 500 will make up for all of your flaws and they're going to just be in denial because Nagy and Pace wanted to keep their jobs a little longer. All of that has derailed that franchise. And then they did the confusing thing of trading two first-rounders to get a franchise quarterback for a team that was nowhere near the position to draft a franchise quarterback and had a general manager and coach whose asses were headed out the door because they drafted Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So all of that to say, do you know how bad you have to be For me to actively be rooting against you, for me to want your team to be bad, and for me to look at you and say, I want you to be bad, but at least don't be boring. And I know the end of the game was fun, and it looked like the Bears were going to make a comeback, and Justin Fields was going to get to be the hero, and the offense would be less constipated, and they would throw deep and take advantage of a Steelers secondary that's depleted. I know all of that happened. But at the same time, They were only in the game because Ray Ray McLeod fumbled that punt. And 
they almost won the game on a miraculous field goal at the end. Okay, fine. The Steelers may be 5-3, and three, and they may be better than the Bengals again, but the Steelers are not actually that good of a football team. So I know the result ended up being kind of close today, but it really doesn't matter. You don't need Matt Nagy to keep being the coach of the team. And you just need the offense to look not garbage the rest of the time. Like I don't I I don't I would sacrifice the jokes to not talk about the Chicago Bears again this season. Now I say that not knowing what the next 8 weeks will bring so we can bring the Chicago Bears jokes back when we need them, but that team is so bad that it's not even fun anymore. The Bears are so terrible at football that it's not even fun to make fun of them anymore because I just want them to go away for 10 months. And we talked about it now. We're going to embargo serious conversations about the Chicago Bears. Just explained exactly what's going to happen, but here's the Spark Notes version again. The Chicago Bears are going to fire Matt Nagy. They're going to have somewhere between the 9 to 13 pick in the draft. They're not going to have their draft pick because it's going to go to the Giants. Congratulations, Giants. You're going to have two top 15 picks for whoever the new GM is going to be. And maybe maybe Pace keeps their job, maybe they don't, but it doesn't matter because whoever's the coach or whoever's the general manager isn't going to have any significant moves to make this offseason. They're going to lose Allen Robinson in free agency. They're going to sign a fringe wide receiver to replace him. They're not going to have a lot of cap space, so they'll sign a couple people to like $4 million contracts or something like that. Then they won't matter for the draft coverage. We'll skip over that. I'll mention this to Blake Jude again when he comes on this week for our Stripe Hype Friday or Stripe Hype Thursday or whatever it ends up being. I'll mention again that none of it matters at all, and uh, we will not talk about them in the offseason or pretend like, is this the time Justin Fields is going to make a significant leap? Because we just don't know. We don't know. They're going to be pretty much the same offense with David Montgomery and built on the run game and have a new coordinator, which we, we can talk about that once we get close to the season. We can wait until September 1st to talk about the new coach and the new coordinator and what the Chicago Bears are going to look like. So we are officially implementing a 10-month embargo on serious Chicago Bears talk. The only time we will mention the Chicago Bears is in mocking of the Chicago Bears. And to be honest, I don't even know what they could do at this point to make me want to mock them because it's not like they're terrible. They they have just enough. The offense is shit, but the defense is at least above average. And that's basically what the New York Giants were last year. And that team came within one game of making the playoffs in the shitty NFC East. So your team is below average. It's not like you're tanking. Your team is just below average mediocre and really, really fucking boring. Pardon my French on that one. They're just so bleeping boring. (laughs) And so let's just walk away from the Chicago Bears at this point. And this is me who loves making Bears jokes. You'd think I'd be reveling in this. I'm like, no, this team's just boring. They've become so mediocre that they bore me now. You know how many times... You, maybe this is why you start beefs that you don't always win. Because if you always win the beefs, all of a sudden the beef becomes boring. And so this time the Chicago Bears are just so boring that's not fun. There was one play at the end of the half on Monday. And this is a little bit of a tangent to the game. But there was one play when they were going down the field at the end of the half where they ran a five-wide set except the five wide included two wide receivers 
and three tight ends. And by the way, none of those tight ends were Cole Komet, the guy they spent a second round pick on in the draft. It was Jimmy Graham, it was Jesse James, and it was some dude named Jesper Horstead. No idea who that is, but it wasn't even Cole Komet. When it looked like they had some kind of a chance of coming back, you had a fumble on a kickoff return that got recovered by the kicker, and it was just, just brutal. Brutal for the Chicago Bears. And it's time we embargo them. We have told you everything we need to know about the next 10 months of Bears football. They have made their beds for themselves by giving up all of their draft picks to get Justin Fields. They have no cap space unless they want to start trading some of the pieces they have before, which I don't think they're going to do, even though we discussed the possibility of that on our Rebuilding the Chicago Bears podcast from two weeks ago, which even though it was a bit of a throwaway episode, you should still check it out because there is some truth to this idea. And we're going to embargo the Chicago Bears now. From the time you hear this transition music, we will not discuss the Chicago Bears again the rest of the season because they're just damn boring. And they're going to fire their coach. If their coach isn't fired by this point already, like Nagy might be gone at this point because I mentioned it on the uh, Instagram, comical sports memes, check us out. You got a bye week this week. You might as well just go ahead and fire him test out I don't know I forgot the defensive coordinator's name but he replaced Chuck Pagano might as well just go ahead and do it try out the interim coach and see who uh see what the defensive coordinator can do uh this is his first year as a defensive coordinator but see what he can do as interim head coach while also calling the defense might as well try it you never know it's better than Matt Nagy who you already know is a dead man walking at this point all right is that enough Chicago Bears talk we make a couple more Chicago Bears jokes? Think that's all we got? In which case, from this magical song going forward, we will no longer be discussing the Chicago Bears seriously. And any time that we want to discuss the Chicago Bears, similar to the Dak Prescott situation, I will say refer to the November 9th, 2021 Take It Easy podcast. So let's play the magical song that declares once and for all. Bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the bears still suck. All the ladies now. All right, let's talk a little college football here because the uh, the committee is going to drop their rankings. They dropped the first rankings last week, but we had more uh, pressing issues to discuss, like, you know, Henry Ruggs or soon-to-be Aaron Rodgers or, I guess, Odell Beckham, which wasn't technically that pressing, but still, uh, we went for the podcast there, and 
We didn't really talk about the committee rankings until laughing at Purdue pulling off the upset, which, by the way, Purdue, again, we're going to reiterate this all throughout the week. I don't ask for much, football gods, but please, please let Purdue win this game this week. Please let Purdue win at Ohio State on Big Noon. No, it's not Big Noon. I think it's on ABC, but still, please let that happen. Just... I'm begging you. I don't ask for much, but please, please let Purdue have this one. So the the committee's going to come out with the rankings this week, and it's going to be Georgia number one and probably Alabama two because Alabama did lose unofficially to LSU. They won the game, but when you only beat LSU by six, you could make an argument for moving Alabama down in the rankings, but number three lost in Michigan State. So uh, that Alabama is going to be two, uh, Oregon's probably going to be three, even though Stanford is now three and six and they beat Oregon and Ohio state's going to be four, even though Ohio state, if they had to play Oregon again, would probably beat Oregon by two touchdowns, but Oregon beat Ohio state two months ago. So we're going to hold on to that one. And then five is going to be Cincinnati and Oklahoma is going to be right there. And Wake Forest is going to fall off and Michigan's going to jump off because remember how I said Michigan had no chance to win the college football playoff? I guess maybe I didn't say it here. I guess maybe I said that on the slump buster that Michigan didn't have a chance because they were going to need two Michigan State losses. Well, they got the one. Now they just need Ohio State to beat Michigan State and then them to beat Ohio State and Michigan's going to make the conference championship. So Michigan got their heap in a prayer to save their season because Purdue beat Michigan State. Now they just need Ohio State to beat Michigan State and they control their own destiny to the college football playoff. So congratulations, Michigan. You are still in it, even if I think you're going to lose to Ohio State. But anyways, Michigan's back in it. We drop Wake Forest out, which means there are seven teams that can make the college football playoff now. I said there were eight last week. Michigan State falls. Wake Forest falls. That's six. I did not anticipate Michigan State losing to Purdue. I don't think anyone did unless you really, really believed strongly in the Purdue game, which I'd like to believe I did, but even I didn't think the Purdue game had two in them in one season. Why? Because it's literally never happened in the history of college football. Fun fact, Michigan State's loss to Purdue means Purdue has now won two games against top five opponents where they were unranked and they won by double digits. Has never happened in the history of college football, where you're unranked for both games, win both by double digits against top five teams in the same season. We've now circled through six Big Ten teams that have been in the top four this year. If you count Penn State, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin never quite got there. So Penn State, Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, I guess that's only five. But we've got five teams that have circled through the top five this year in the Big Ten. Looks like it's going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan, which is going to be fun for everyone. Like, when that rivalry matters, it makes it must-watch college football. And must-watch college football only comes around, like, twice a year. Not even the playoff they want to make. Only one of the games is usually must-watch. They can't really get two of those. It's really hard to find must-watch college football. So, if you create stakes and storylines like that, at least it's going to be more enjoyable for everyone. So... Oklahoma still has a chance. They got a fun schedule coming up for them at this point. Uh, I think Oklahoma has... Is next week uh, Bedlam? Next week might be Bedlam. Uh, Nope, they got Baylor first. Then they got Iowa State. 
Uh, then they play Oklahoma State to finish the season. There you go. So, yeah, they've got the, the brunt stretch of the schedule where they're undefeated, yes, but they have to play the three hardest teams in the conference other than them because they've already played Texas close and Kansas State close and Kansas close because, of course, they played Kansas close and West Virginia and Nebraska close because Oklahoma's not allowed to win games by more than seven points. Uh, this has been a tried and true rule, except when they played Texas Tech two weeks ago, when they just blew the doors off of Texas Tech, who I think just hired like a Baylor assistant coach. Not like Texas Tech football is going to matter for the next two years, but Texas Tech did fire their coach with five wins, which is kind of interesting. So Oklahoma could emerge victorious. They do control their own destiny. I think we just have questions about them. And so because they play the three hardest games of the season, I think we kind of anticipate they're going to lose one of them, whether it's at Baylor this week or home against Iowa State. Probably not home against Iowa State, but then they play at Oklahoma State. We just assume that one could be a loss for them. Is Oklahoma State's no Oklahoma State lost to uh, Baylor a few weeks ago, so Oklahoma State's not undefeated anymore. They got no chance at the playoff, but still, that's seven teams left to try and make it to the college football playoff. Uh, maybe someone else will slide in there. Uh, did I count? I think I counted Cincinnati in that mix, but yeah, you can throw Alabama a bone at this point. I think if they lose to Georgia, they might get kicked out, but Cincinnati's right there. You've got. Alabama and Georgia and one of the Big Ten teams and maybe Oregon runs the table I mean that's going to be weird if Oregon gets in right like Oregon would be a weird choice for everyone to watch in the college football playoff considering they've like kind of snuck by UCLA and snuck by Cal beat Washington last week but it didn't feel super convincing and no one really believes them but we kind of just got to honor the resume thing at this point so it feels kind of weird, but Washington State, who technically controls their own destiny in the Pac-12, because that's how the Pac-12 works, is hanging out right there. I guess Oregon's number three now, so I guess we kind of got to respect it. Ooh, Utah, looking down the schedule. Utah's the team. Utah's the team that can knock Oregon out of the playoff. I think that's that's the team that can do it. I think I'm actually rooting for Oregon. Like I know we, we dump on the Pac-12 all the time, but I think I'm actually rooting for Oregon to pull this one out. Not if it means Alabama can't make in the playoffs. Like push comes to shove. Sorry, Oregon. We gotta we gotta take Alabama over you. But I think I'm still rooting for Oregon at this point. I want I want to believe that Oregon can get to the college football playoff more than Cincinnati could. Or wanted to believe in Wake Forest, but they obviously let us down. I want to believe that they can surmount the odds and make it. Because we talked after the the Ohio State win about how fascinating it was that Cristobal built like a West Coast regional powerhouse where he dominated, where them and USC are the only teams that can control the recruiting base on the West Coast if they commit the resources to it because they're the only schools in the top 20 financially in terms of uh, bringing in uh, money that way where they can they can actually compete with SEC schools and Big 12 Oklahoma and Texas which I guess is technically SEC now and a few of the Big 10 programs like Ohio State and Michigan where they actually bring in the money you've got Nike money down there in Oregon and you've just got Los Angeles big donor base for USC and USC I think right now is three and six the last time we checked when we did the Pac-12 mediocrity joke on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, which you can check out here on Take It Easy, as well as everywhere that you get your podcasts. 
Um, we talked about the regional powerhouse, like with USC in the transition period, that opens the door a bunch for Cristobal in Oregon. And so I think I want to believe in this idea of a regional recruiting powerhouse somewhat superseding the Pac-12. Because I know Washington made the college football playoff that one time as like a token fourth seed, because that was back when we still cared about whether you win a conference championship or not. And I think uh, Marcus Mariota made it to the championship at Oregon, and Michigan State made the playoff one time. But for the most part, the regional powerhouses don't get to that level of excellence. Sometimes they slip through the cracks, and you could argue Oregon would be slipping through the cracks again this year because in a normal year, maybe Ohio State is a lock and Clemson is better, so you take out the ACC team, and if you take out the ACC, that opens a spot for the Pac-12 or Cincinnati, but nobody's going to let Cincinnati into the playoff. So it opens the door for the Pac-12 team or Oklahoma, but I don't think anyone believes in Oklahoma this year. So you could argue that Oregon's slipping through the cracks, but even still, like the, the regional powerhouse that can compete with Ohio State instead of being the team that's like a seven-point underdog against one of the top four programs in college football, if you talk about Bama, Georgia, um, Ohio State, and Clemson being those like top-tier programs, and then you have a second tier, we should do that at some point. We should do the tiers list of college football. I can ballpark it real quick here, and apologies if I forget your team. So... Those are the top four. Clemson, we don't know what to do with at this point, so we'll throw Clemson in the mix there. They're not one of these traditional powerhouses with tons of money. Second tier, you've got Oklahoma for sure. They're kind of like teetering on the edge. You've got Notre Dame. You've got um, Texas A&M is in that second tier. Uh, you've got Florida normally would be in the second tier. I know they're pretty ass this year, but Florida would normally be in the second tier, they're kind of going through a rebuild right now. Same thing with Texas. Texas can get to a point where they're in that second tier, although they're probably more third tier where they're like desperately fighting for a New Year's Six game. Same thing with USC. They can be second tier at some point. Uh, Michigan obviously is a second tier. Uh, Wisconsin can be. You know, I guess there's not a lot of second tiers because second tier and third tier kind of fluctuate quite a bit. Like second tier teams lose a lot in upset fashion. It's not like the top tier programs where it's like shocking if Alabama loses or shocking if Clemson loses or shocking if Ohio State ever loses. So I guess they kind of substitute in and out every now and then. But, you know, Auburn would be at the top there. LSU would be at the top there. But those programs have fallen off at this point with the changing landscape. Um, and then you go down the list to... Are there any other ACC schools? Nope. No other ACC schools allowed to be in that mix. Um, Pac-12, I mean, we mentioned USC and Oregon are jobs that you would want in those situations. Maybe not USC right now, but those are jobs that command that level because of the money. Um, we mentioned Oklahoma, Texas. Then you get, I guess that's about it. I guess Penn State, Michigan's, Penn State's third tier, uh, Wisconsin's third tier, Iowa's third tier, um, Oklahoma State is third tier. Uh, who else is there? Washington is not even third tier, I don't think. I don't think any Pac-12 teams qualify as third tier because they all just beat each other up a bunch. Miami might be third tier because they're kind of the best of the ACC. I guess ACC Coastal teams aren't allowed in this conversation. Sorry, ACC Coastal teams. Um, who else you got there? Ole Miss, I guess, maybe, but Ole Miss sometimes fluctuates. I think after that, you can kind of be good and be bad. You kind of go in spurts. Like, you're just... At that point, you can lose any given week to one of these teams, so you kind of fluctuate. It goes in trends. 
So I guess there aren't really powerhouse programs that are consistent. Wake Forest is consistently between three and eight wins, but even that's still pretty normal. So I guess those are the jobs that are more desirable. If you're shooting for the power or shooting for the consistency, those are desirable, whether it's Auburn or Iowa or Baylor even. I know Baylor keeps having a rotating door at their program, but those are pretty desirable jobs even still. It it just, we talk about the top tier a lot and everyone else can be a punchline and then the, the top tier becomes a punchline because Oklahoma's not allowed to win games by more than seven points. But even still, like college football has weird power dynamics because they don't legislate parity very well. It's encouraged that people spend at different rates and allocate different levels of resources. It's why, you know, Vanderbilt sucks at football and Kansas sucks at football, but those programs have just decided we're going to take our football money and put it into, in the case of Kansas basketball, and in Vanderbilt, just put it into baseball. We're just going to filter that money down, and that's going to be how bad or good our program is. And that's just, some programs agree to that. You have to balance unfair amounts of resources. Uh, we talked about that last year with Matt Campbell. Like, Matt Campbell just cannot compete. And Iowa State cannot compete because they just don't have the resources. Like when P.J. Fleck was being talked about for the Oregon job before they hired Cristobal. It's like, yeah, Minnesota's a cool job, but it doesn't compete with Oregon. Which is which makes it even funnier now that Willie Taggart left Oregon for Florida State. I know it was his dream job situation, but it is kind of funny when you think about it now that Taggart left that job that is really, really desirable like Oregon can be a West Coast powerhouse and Cristobal who has not had a great coaching record before that like Cristobal's track record is not even at the top of that level but Oregon has the money from Nike to build that regional powerhouse and it's a super desirable job that people don't look at as super desirable therefore it's a little bit of a market inefficiency that it's a really really good destination job that people don't recognize as a destination job. Similarly to like Texas being overrated as a job. Like people say, oh, do you want the, the Texas job is a great job? Yeah, it is a great, great job because there's so much money involved. The problem is there you have ridiculous levels of expectations. And I've seen it right now with Texas where they're like four and four or four and five. And I'm like, this was a this was a buy year. This was this was like half of Tom Herman's players because apparently Tom Herman's players weren't good enough to keep Tom Herman, and then you lost those players because of the transfer portal. So you're already playing with less because players are allowed to transfer now. And so I guess the transfer portal changes the math on this, where there aren't consistent third tier programs like Iowa because they're always greener pastures. And if you turn over a coach. It's going to be two years of darkness. It's why you got to be more careful when you fire coaches. Well, I say this while the SEC is just guns blazing. Ten teams are going to fire coaches in three years. Because if you're not Georgia and you're not Alabama and you're not Texas A&M, then you're not good enough. And they've had ten different coaches in three years, or ten different coaching jobs changed in the last three years in the SEC. But at the same time, there's a lot of really, really bad SEC teams. Like this year was a punt year for the SEC, and there's so many bad teams. Georgia and Alabama are kicking ass there. Auburn was supposed to be in a turnaround year. They're rank- they were ranked number 12 in the country, which is weird. Um, uh, if you go to the SEC East, uh, Kentucky with six wins. They just lost two in a row. 
Florida is four and five right now. Missouri, not going to make a bowl game. Vanderbilt, not going to make a bowl game. South Carolina, not going to make a bowl game because those teams are recently changed coaches and really, really bad at football, which only leaves four teams at the top of the SEC East, but not even Florida is good now. Florida is bad, which opens the door for Tennessee, who has a first-year coach to be good because Tennessee just has more money than Vanderbilt and more money than Missouri. So they can just be slightly better in a year where Florida is having a weirdly awful season that might get their their coach fired. Let's <laughs> make it a twelve co- or eleven coaches in four years if they fire Dan Mullen. Like, just finish the entire trend all the way through and just fire every SEC coach. So I say that that if you fire your coach, you're going to. And I know we're kind of going off tangent a bit here from that, but if you fire your coach you're going to end up finding a way to fall apart for about two years because the transfer portal de-incentivizes it. But if you keep the players around, that's another market inefficiency as well, I guess, is that if you can convince people to not go into the transfer portal, you can turn things around comparatively to other teams that are firing coaches. Therefore, you can use that as a recruiting advantage or go to the transfer portal and bring in other players from other schools. But even still, like once you hit rock bottom... It's going to take longer than ever to climb yourself out of rock bottom, which Nebraska is learning that right now as they decide yesterday that they're going to keep Scott Frost into 2022. And the fact that you have to announce that means it's a hot seat season for Scott Frost, like boiling hot seat season coming up next year. And uh, Missouri's learning that right now as they used to be uh, making SEC championships. And now they've been terrible for like six straight years and South Carolina is going to learn this as they hire a Beamer and try and turn things around after making, a, I think it was a Camping World Bowl a few years ago. But um, they they won nine games a few years ago, and now they've gone through Champ and they've now going into Beamer. It's going to be a long road back to the top. Um, you're seeing this with Texas Tech, who I mentioned earlier, just hired a new coach. Uh, I think is like a Baylor assistant, so... That's going to be a while for Texas Tech because it's not one of these sexy hires and Texas Tech doesn't have a lot of money. TCU is going through that right now as TCU moved on from Gary. It's funny that they didn't say Patterson retired. They said they have agreed to part ways, which is a nice way of saying they they straight fired Gary Patterson. 22 years, some racist allegations against him, but at the same time, they just fired the only coach they've had in my entire lifetime which is kind of fascinating. And, of course, the whole college landscape is changing, so teams want to get in early on some of this stuff, and a lot of the coaching fires happen before the season ends to prevent the transfer portal so that the new players know who the new coach is going to be, and they can get the early jump on recruiting to try and not fall behind because some programs that are kind of in the middle of the pack there, the teams that we talked about earlier about third- and fourth-tier programs, they really, really fall off hard. And we're seeing it right now with South Carolina, who just beat Florida this week. Like, you know, kudos to them. Um, I know you won this week, but it only buys you so much. Missouri, who wasn't even supposed to be that bad this year. They were supposed to be one of these middle-tier teams, and they are like scraping wins against Vanderbilt and getting bum-rushed by Georgia, which there's no shame in getting bum-rushed by Georgia. Like, Arkansas is getting bum-rushed by Georgia, but they're also losing to Kentucky and losing against 
uh, uh, wow, that was bad. Uh, losing to Boston College is where I was going with that. Losing to Tennessee by 40 points, like losing to Texas A&M. Like it's just, it's, you don't even get one of them, which kind of like makes you realize similarly to Nebraska, like you're not even playing in the same game anymore. It's happening to Indiana this year, although I think they're going to keep their coach at the end of this year. Um, you're seeing it with Maryland right now as they fall off. You saw it. We mentioned Nebraska earlier. Um, we saw it with Florida State. When you fall off, you fall off hard. And Florida State's one of these programs we've talked about before that has a lot of money. But at the same time, they've spent so much on buyouts that now they're acting like one of these middle tier teams for the next couple years. And so you're learning like the lesson of when you fall off, sometimes you fall off real real hard and sometimes people learn that the hard way and this is all part of the changing landscape of college football that people are adapting to so I didn't think this would go as crazy in depth with college football but here we are I guess thank you for stopping in here to the take it easy podcast we got episodes every single day Monday through Friday as well as wired up on Sundays make sure to follow download and leave a five-star review doesn't have to be a nice review just has to be a five-star review, uh, and we appreciate all of you who are leaving those nice reviews. I, I read them a bunch. Um, we'd like to repost some of them over on Comical Sports and Take It Easy podcasts. So, thank you again to everyone who's continuing to support the dreams here on this pod. So many crazy download numbers in the last week. It's been awesome. We're already approaching two thousand for the month, so I think we can break some records here. Guess we got to find out. Thanks, everybody, and. Uh, Take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.